Welcome to Around the Writer's Table, a podcast focusing on the crossroads of creativity, craft, and conscious living for writers of all ages and backgrounds. Your hosts are Gina, Melody, and Kim Boo, three close friends and women of a certain age who bring to the table their eclectic backgrounds and unique perspectives on the trials, tribulations, and the joys of writing. So pull up a chair and get comfortable here around the writer's table. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Around the Writer's Table. This is episode 25. Hard for me to believe we've, we've come that far along in this trip, and we appreciate you joining us as we go. This week, we are returning to Gina Hogan-Edwards' Creativity Quest analysis of the cycle of writing. Uh, that sounds a little pretentious, but it's actually really down-to-earth way of looking at the cycle of writing and looking at the different phases we go through and getting the tools you need to keep writing, which is one thing we're really uh, try to give all of you as well as ourselves when we do these things. It's actually focused on assessing and acknowledging. Not going to go into too much detail on that right now because Gina is going to give us the big insight on it. But first, a little bit of an introduction. I am Kim Bjork. I'm a romance novelist and former project manager. I help writers and solopreneurs find time, energy, and motivation to create through different venues, helping writers, Right. is my big thing. So uh, we've also got here with us today, Melody A. Scout. Melody, if you'd like to give us a little bit of an introduction. Thanks, Kimbu. I'm Melody A. Scout, and I help my clients find their sense of home by restoring balance and harmony to their lives through plant spirit medicine and through my book, Soul of the Seasons. And we, of course, have Gina here as well. Gina, give us a little bit of insight into who you are, a stranger. Hey, ladies. It's great to be back. I missed you guys. Um, I'm glad to be here. Hello, listeners. I'm Gina Hogan-Edwards. I am passionate about supporting women and finding their voices, including myself. I'm a writer (laughs) and an editor, and I am a host for writing retreats in the beautiful, peaceful environment of St. George Island, Florida. Which is sadly not where we are right now, because that would be awesome. (laughs) We like being on the beach, man, that would be great, but we're not. And we're here, we're back to talking about the Creativity Quest. So Gina, maybe you could give our listeners a quick overview of what the Creativity Quest is, and then get us into talking about this assessing and acknowledging, which which I I have this great fear is going to be about... um, you know, knowing thyself and, and learning how to, to know thyself better. So yeah. Dang it. Yeah. (laughs) Not that. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Um, Yes. So just briefly to give listeners a little bit of background, if they haven't heard some of our previous episodes, we've been talking about the creativity quest, which is based on my work as a creativity coach with clients, as well as sort of observing myself and how I've navigated the creative process. And I've sort of um, envisioned this quest as involving 10 stages or phases. And while it's uh, easy to sort of depict it on a piece of paper as this two-dimensional cycle, um, as anyone who is a creative person knows, we don't navigate it in any kind of 
rhyme or rhythm. We don't go through it linearly. We sometimes repeat stages. We will skip over stages depending on where we are in our growth process. But we're now on the fourth stage. We've already talked about carrying inner disquiet. We've talked about releasing. We've talked about emulating and mirroring. And now we are on assessing and acknowledging. So those previous stages that we've spoken about are in earlier episodes. If you want to go back and listen to those and get caught up with where we are now, but just know that if you want to dive in here, that that's fine too. Because like I said, we don't experience these in any kind of rational order. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they call them cycles. Not linear, not linear. So assessing and acknowledging. Um, I love this stage because it is where our true voices really begin to show up. And the crux of it, although there are many aspects and dimensions to it, the crux of it is about reviewing what we've learned, both about ourselves and our writing process and creativity in general, recognizing where the growth has been, And also acknowledging where we may still have aspects of growth to experience. So in terms of experience, this is actually a cycle that, or a stage um, rather, that many of us will revisit on a pretty regular basis. This is still one of those stages that requires a lot of inner work. It's not a very popular stage because the ones that are a little bit <laughs> yeah, no more, kidding. <laughs> yeah, the ones that are a little more feel good are the ones that we tend to, you know, gravitate toward settling into. Uh, but honestly, for me, I see this as one of the most critical stages for our creative growth. It requires a lot of honesty with yourself. It requires being able to step away and be an observer of yourself. Uh, It's a stage at which a lot of fears of judgment from others, as well as our perfectionism can show up. Mm. And it can, as we're going through that sort of assessing and acknowledging stage, fears can show up and that can keep us from putting our work out into the world. So there's kind of two levels to this uh, stage. We talked about in episode 12, we talked about appraising our work, which certainly that is uh, an aspect to this particular phase. You know, we're assessing what our individual uh, pieces of work, if they are what we envisioned, if there are things that we need to do to refine them. But also at this stage, there is sort of a higher level of where we're assessing and acknowledging ourselves overall, our writing life, our, our living into being a writer. And so this can be experienced at, you know, the beginning stages when we just start on the, crea- the creativity quest, when we're just beginning our journey as a creative person this will be one of the early stages that we will experience. But as I mentioned earlier, we can repeat this stage, return to it. And it's really actually good to have an intentional practice of periodically 
routinely revisiting this stage. Um, you, one of the things that you do at this stage is look at, as I said, the, the individual pieces of our work and maybe assess whether you're ready to share something. A beginner or someone new to the creative life might want to get a little bit further on their journey with uh, developing their inner resources before they actually put their work out into the world when they're in this stage. But even if you're sharing with others, this assessing and acknowledging comes into play when you're sort of looking at uh, whether you're living your creative life in the way that you want to, whether your intentions are really there, whether you're speaking your truth, writing your truth, whether you are living into the values that are related to the creative life that are important to you. Wow. Right? That's not deep at all. Like, no. I absolutely need no time. Okay, done. Yeah, okay. Thank done you for done. joining us today. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's like there's several skills that come in really handy in this stage. Uh, the, the major one being self-coaching, you know, being mm-hmm. able to, to coach ourselves. And so some of the... Um, some of the skills that support that overall skill are self-compassion, mm. being kind to ourselves, mm-hmm. the ability to be objective about ourselves, and that requires intense honesty. So I kind of see those two things as, as two pairs. So you've got self-compassion and kindness that are related to one another, that are skills that can support you in this self-coaching endeavor. And then you've got objectivity and self-honesty. And so being able to use those skills in this assessing and acknowledging stage are really where the growth comes in. So I'd love to hear a little bit from both of you about this idea of, you know, self-coaching and what that term kind of means to you and, and how it may have played into your own ability to assess where you are in your life and in your writing and for your growth. So I'm throwing it out there. Who wants to go first? <laughs> yay, yay. I'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Melody, you got yeah. this. Go. Roll. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, well, looking back, I... I can see that for me in my history, even before I got, you know, into the writing game and the subject of critiquing and all that business, um, I was doing a lot of self-coaching on my own because I felt at the time I did not have outside resources to give me balanced feedback. Mm. And I'm the type that likes to dig deeper. I am one of those people. So I don't mind digging deeper. I do a lot of self-reflection. I think it's important to note that there can be such a thing as too much self-reflection. When I constantly go over and over the same issues and don't give myself a break or or just be able to move on or move to the next. And anyway, that's 
uh, I found it a valuable resource for myself. And I, I actually enjoy feedback and critiquing and coaching. I wish I'd had some when I was younger. But I learned also to rely on my own judgment and to be able to assess when something was right for me. That is critical at this stage. Because if you are listening to the voices of others and you are letting them influence or maybe sway you from what you believe, then you will not be honoring your own true voice. And so at this stage, really being able to listen to yourself in that way that you describe, Melody, is super helpful to um, navigating not only within this stage, but then getting us on onto the next stage of our growth. Mm-hmm. What about you, Kimbu? Yeah. As you're both talking, I'm trying to think back about self-coaching and when I became aware of self-coaching as something that you could do. And uh, that's pretty recent for me. <laughs> Prior to that, there was therapy. Oh, so much therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I think, you know, it's one of those braided type of things. It's it's very intertwined with self-compassion and self-confidence and self-awareness. I I think for me, the self-coaching component didn't really solidify as something that I could do for myself until, and and this might be different for other people, but until I got past listening to the voices of others, I, I had to learn mm. to listen to my own voice. Yes. And I don't, yeah, it it was, it's tough. I know we've talked about it on this podcast before. I certainly talk about it enough in my blog posts and everywhere else about how I kind of gave up on being published. I I didn't really stop writing a lot, but I did pull back from my writing as an idea for a career in the 90s because I was listening to so many other people telling me what is acceptable to write. Like, what is you're allowed to write? What are you allowed to publish? There was a lot of gatekeeping back then, even more so than there is today. People might be shocked to find. Learning to respect myself was such a huge issue. And uh, I'm, I'm really not, uh, sorry, I'm just not identifying like the moment or the thing that that happened, because I really think it was a long evolved process for me coming mm-hmm. out of mm-hmm. PTSD after the deaths of my parents. Fact that I, I grew up in a, in a home with mentally unstable parents. So there was a lot of self-doubt along that way. And it wasn't until the point I came to say, well, maybe I I do have something to say for myself and on my own. Maybe it's just not about always being performative. Mm -hmm. I think that's the word that really strikes me is like, I was so busy trying to be performative in whatever um, ideal I was, I thought I was living up to that. I just didn't listen to myself. So when we get to the assessing and acknowledging for me, I think the biggest lever on that in being able to self assess and self coach was the self-acknowledgement. I just couldn't get anywhere until I got over that hurdle. Mm. Wow. Okay. So, whew, a lot, a lot that was <laughs> encapsulated in both of your comments there. So you mentioned 
being performative. Mm. One, so there are a number of things that can sort of go awry at this stage, depending on where we are in the growth process. One of them is being performative. (laughs) You know, we feel like we have to be something or behave in a way that others expect us to, and we don't acknowledge what our true values or what our true um, purpose is because Mm -hmm. we feel like we have to be what others want us to be. Yeah. Also, it could be a survival mode, you know. Mm-hmm. I know I adopted that and I didn't I just want note that I didn't intend to make it sound like, oh, I had this deep inner knowing from a young age. Um, I, I perhaps did, but I also struggled with gaining acceptance and approval from others and the same performative. Uh, I was a good chameleon. Uh, I managed by uh, taking on other people's mm-hmm. ideas or you know, changing Mm -hmm. myself to fit into their world. Um, And so it was not easy for me to um, claim Mm -hmm. what was mine, what was my true voice and all that. I could, I knew, I knew when something was off. I did know that early on, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't tell you what it was or how to do anything about it. (laughs) And that's one reason why we go through this particular phase and stage, possibly more than any of the others. I will say, so Melody, you said that you didn't want to give the impression that from a very young age, you had all of that deep inner knowing. I would say that we all do from a very early Mm -hmm. age have that deep inner knowing. Mm -hmm. I was thinking the same thing when she said that. I'm thinking, oh, you had the knowing. I did. I did not trust it. Yes. Didn't didn't listen to it. Didn't trust it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what happens to us is that as we, you know, get a little older and become a little bit more, uh, not only self-aware, but sort of figuring out where we fit into the world, those those other people around us start to inter, uh, start to have an influence on that inner knowing. And we forget to listen to ourselves. We forget how to listen to ourselves. Can I just jump in real quick? Because one of the things that's on my mind lately and has nothing to do with the Barbie movie, which we have not seen yet, um, but is the, the gender roles. And I don't think this is specific to women or to men or any gender identity you may have, but it's this whole function of society to try to jam people into a predetermined, predefined behavior mode, right? And so for men, that's repressing your emotions. The only allowable emotion is anger. You're not allowed to be soft and vulnerable. And for women, it's the idea that we're not allowed to be there for ourselves. We have to be there for everybody else. Mm. Um, and so I think we're taught specifically, you know, men are taught to, you know, tighten down those emotions. Women are taught to just not acknowledge them at all. And I think that's at least part of where it came from for some of us, like what we're talking about now, especially in our age group. I think maybe younger Gen Z might be on the, on the cusp of being released from those horrible constraints, but (laughs) uh, no, that was, that was an expectation. Little girls look, act like this. Little girls behave this way. Young women need to, you know, keep their knees together and, 
and be polite and not get mad and not do anything that might reflect our own inner awareness. Mm-hmm. We weren't allowed to acknowledge any of that. So it, that was just something that came to my mind while you were talking about it. Yeah, that expectation of mm-hmm. um, paying attention to and caring for others above ourselves. Yeah. And you had mentioned when you were talking earlier, Kimbu, about self-respect. And I think that that is intimately related to one of the ideas that if we can embrace it, helps us navigate this stage with grace. And that is one of valuing ourselves, Mm -hmm. not simply respecting ourselves, but really valuing ourselves and not only the work that we do, but us as human beings, as a creative person, really valuing what we bring into the world. And that's, um, as I said, that's one of the, the, the aspects that I think helps us navigate this phase gracefully. One of the other aspects that can get us sort of stuck in this stage is the, is the inclination toward perfectionism. If we have that anyway, and if this becomes a really troublesome phase for us, we can really get, get stuck when we start looking at our work and then we aren't able to manage those voices in our heads and we don't value what it is that we have to say. And so we continue to refine and revise and aim for that perfectionistic thing that does not exist. Absolutely. I'm so guilty when you're like myself, who is prone to do a lot of inner reflection. I alluded to this earlier. I can really get stuck in Mm. continual critiquing. Mm Mm-hmm fine-tuning, making better, and then and never be able to release anything out into the world because I it needs a little work. It needs to be this. <laughs> I can see that this is wrong, and that's not the right tone. Um, I had a wonderful teacher who, who said something I'll never forget. She says, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to get done. Mm-hmm. That's yep. right. And I went, yep. oh, and we forget that as authors because like what is the whole process of writing is you write the first draft and then you edit to make it better and and then you let it go like that's a cycle my friends and Mm -hmm. it's and we get so trapped up in these ideas of what is it's not perfect it's not living up to the expectations somebody else set for me it's not according to the rules of writing to market it's not this or that and and then we second guess ourselves instead of, I think what you're talking about, Gina, is my, certainly my impression of it is, you know, assessing and acknowledging, which is the key point is understanding where we're at and then looking forward from there. This is a particularly challenging stage for, for beginners, you know, for, Mm. for novice writers, uh, novice creatives who are still learning the craft you know, because you look at your work and you go, oh my gosh, I could do that better, you know? And of course, no matter how experienced we are, we can always do better. But when there is just this, you know, mountain of learning that we're faced with, sometimes this can be a stage that really um, puts the brakes on creatives. And in the worst instances, if someone is not able to navigate 
um, through this stage with grace, they may end up looping back to some of the earlier stages that we've already talked about. Um, one of those being carrying inner disquiet, which if you will remember, inner disquiet is that discomfort that we feel when we want to be creating, but we are not either self-imposed or externally uh, imposed on us uh, to not be able to create. In this case, when we've assessed and we've decided that we're going to cocoon because we're not happy with what we see and we can't uh, value what we've already done to this stage, we go back to that caring of inner disquiet where we just shut down and don't create at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, If we don't go back to that stage, we might just settle back into the emulating and mirroring because that's more, that's a comfort zone. That's a space of, of ease at this point. Um, you know, just being able to, to nestle back into looking toward our mentors, looking toward the people that we admire and settling back into this sort of, um, not copying, but, uh, uh, emulating what they're doing. And in some ways, if it's done intentionally, then that can be a good thing because that's where our practice comes in. You know, that's where mm-hmm. we can, can improve our skills and refine our skills. But if we're settling back into emulating and mirroring as a way to avoid acknowledging that we still have learning to do, um, then it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. <laughs> but it feels so productive. Yes. It feels so productive. It feels like, oh, I'm studying. Oh, I'm doing research. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's no. It's definitely <laughs> more comfortable than going, oh, man. I've got a lot to learn or, or, you know, in the best instances go, Hey, I've really, you know, captured what I wanted to say here. And so let's just keep moving forward. I'm ready to share this with a critique group or, you know, whoever, and just keep on moving through the, through the journey. So let me ask you, Gina, because I'm, because assessing and acknowledging there's a certain level of empowerment there. It can be, mm-hmm. um, a very good thing. What is kind of the dark side of this? Like what is, what does assessing and acknowledging look like when it goes wrong? Well, similar to what I was just saying is that we sort of revert back to those things that feel more comfortable and, or are easier to do. And that Mm -hmm. might be not creating, just shutting down. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's to me, the absolute darkest worst thing to have happen is mm-hmm. that that we just feel like it's it maybe maybe we feel like it's overwhelming maybe we feel like um you know somebody else convinces us that what we've been doing is a waste of time and that we still have too far to go and so it's an impossibility and so we just shut down and stop creating so that is the bleakest darkest um turn for me mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. Um, and we talked about this in previous episodes that in five element, they call it throwing water on your fire. Mm-hmm. And so you, you critique yourself right out of any progress or, or taking, you know, value in what you've already created by listing all the things that's wrong with it or why it can't work or why it'll never happen. And um, that, that feels very disheartening. You know, the most disheartening things we, are the things we say to ourselves about 
ourselves. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. And, and I have done this many times. Sadly, more times than I know. I had a really good friend once say to me, she said to this, me to this about my healing work, but it applies to anything we do. She said, you need to own that you are good at this. Mm. You're not better than everybody else. You're not good at everything. You are good at this and you need to own it. And like, wow. That is, oh, that's a hard one for us to, to take in. And when we are able to do that, I think we have truly been able to master this phase. And it, you know, it goes right back to that valuing ourselves and valuing our work and valuing our contribution to what we are doing, um, you know, in the creative world. And, you know, in the, in the best of worlds, to, to end this on a more positive note, in the best of worlds, we do recognize the value that we do bring into the world. We recognize our creative work. We recognize our value as a human being. We see what is possible. We acknowledge that we may still have a ways to go in some aspects of our creative work in our lives, but we are willing to move forward and to not let, us hold, not let it hold us back. Mm. the dream (laughs) and and i would offer that also by owning this in ourselves we instill confidence in ourselves Mm -hmm. and we invite others to have confidence in us as well when we can be that example when we when we can live into the truth of who we are it Mm -hmm. sets that example for others to be able to do the same yes uh, the people I've learned from are the people who've done that. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it, it definitely it's contagious. Yeah. It's contagious. And it's not by any sort of little mini lecture you give people. They just know when you are grounded in yourself, your work, you know, your belief uh, that radiates out and it's infectious with others. Yeah. So we, we can all step into our self-coaching skills, right? You know, practice the self-compassion, be kind to ourselves. There's a book that Kristen Neff wrote on self-compassion that's been sitting on my shelf that I've been wanting to read. So let me put that in the resources when we post this podcast. Um, and that's going to be next on my list. So self-compassion, kindness, uh, objectivity with ourselves, honesty with ourselves. To me, the honesty is probably at the top of the list of, of all of those things. Honesty with ourselves about where mm-hmm. we are and where we want to go and how far we've come. Yeah. Yeah. That honesty with compassion is the critical thing. Cause it's easy yeah. to beat yourself mm-hmm. up sometimes, but that is all wired together and it's so, and so important. So I think we're, Wrapping up this particular episode, ladies, it has been very deep. We've been getting deep lately. Hmm. Next episode 26, we can continue on this. We will be continuing on this theme of assessing and acknowledging in the creativity quest cycle, but uh, we'll be looking at it through the lens of writing through the seasons uh, using Melody's framework of the five seasons and the plant spirit medicine as 
written about in her book, Soul of the Seasons. And so what, what's it, you said fall, is that what I'm seeing on our, on our cheat sheet here? Is that what we're going to be talking about mostly next? I had episode? listed summer and fall. There's some aspects of this that fall into the season of summer where we're continually assessing our work as we hmm. go through the highly productive stages. But I would say the bulk of this lands right in the season of fall, which is about uh, our inner critic, critiquing, uh, finding what's of value within ourselves and our project. Perfect. Um, that yep. all fits right in here. Yeah. Yep. So it there does. it is. There it is, y'all. The sneak peek for next season. She just gave it for next episode. Episode. Next season. <laughs> I am done with summer. Let me tell you. I'm done with this season of summer. It's too hot. We're in North Florida, y'all. We've been under a heat watch for like months at this point it's it's ridiculous but that will be in our next episode so we really appreciate you stopping by and joining us today and we'll look for you in the next episode bye y'all bye thanks for joining us around the writer's table please feel free to suggest a topic or a guest by emailing info at around the music provided with gracious permission by langtree a link to their music is on our homepage at AroundTheWritersTable.com. Everyone here around the Writers' Table wishes you joy in your writing and everyday grace in your living. Take care until next time.